how he attempted suicide back in 2018, what he could have done to prevent himself from getting to that deep, dark place, how we can be a good support system for those around us who are struggling, and so much more coming right up. This is episode number 217 with suicide survivor Corey Underwood. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I'm here because you want to be the best version of yourself, but there are so many things that you need to do to get there. And because it's overwhelmingly complicated, it's easy to lose focus, easy to lose a sense of direction, and that's why so many people end up falling short of their true potential. That's why I create videos, podcasts, and fitness programs to keep you on track to your best you. Go to nickcarrier.com to learn more. Today, I'm super excited to bring you an episode literally unlike any other that I've brought to you before. Corey Underwood is a suicide survivor turned author and mental health activist. After a scary incident with suicide back in 2018, which he'll tell you about, Corey's life would never be the same. He's devoting his life to creating awareness around suicide prevention and is writing his own book on his story. He talks you through how he might be able to help a friend or family member who is struggling. He talks you through how to help yourself if you're the one struggling. And he's super vulnerable with his story, which I know will be an eye opener for you. As you're listening, be sure to tag me on Instagram at carrier underscore best you to let me know your favorite part. Now, before we get into the story with Corey, Monday mornings I know can be the bane of your existence. It can seem literally impossible to get motivated on a Monday morning, but not if you receive my Monday Motivation Trio 111 newsletter. Every Monday I send out one motivational quote, one inspiring video, and one killer workout to get your week started with a bang. Just go to nickcarrier.com slash 111-newsletter to get that in your inbox every Monday morning. Again, it's just nickcarrier.com slash 111-newsletter. Now, without further ado, here's to getting closer and closer to your best you with this special and unique episode with Corey Underwood. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I am super fired up to have a really unique interview coming at you guys today, and I am with the one and only Corey Underwood. I want to just start off by saying, Corey, thanks so much for spending the time with me today. My pleasure. Uh, it's great to be here, Nick. Uh, I'm looking forward to being able to, and thank you for the opportunity to bring a message, uh, something that I, is very clear, uh, near and dear to me, uh, a message of clarity, where I didn't have the clarity once. And I know a lot of people out there are they're hurting. You know, every 42 seconds on this planet, somebody takes their own life. That's yeah. 800,000 people a year. It's crazy. You, know, you look at the numbers of auto accidents and COVID deaths and tuberculosis and all kinds of things like that. No, 800,000 people. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a pandemic in and of itself almost. You know what I mean? It's like one of those things yeah. where you see how big of a problem it is and you realize that there just needs to be more and more awareness about it, more and more conversation about it. And so I'm glad to be able to uh, at least do my small part in being able to spark more of that conversation. So as you guys have already heard, uh, Corey is a suicide survivor, a cancer survivor, and he's working on an awesome new book about his story. And we actually got introduced through his brother, Troy Underwood, who is on the podcast uh, a number of, a couple of months ago now, um, had an awesome conversation with him. And now I'm Really excited to bring your own uh, unique story to the table for everyone listening because I do think it is a really timely episode as well because with COVID and quarantine, you know, the number of suicides and the rate of depression and stuff like that has only been going up, has only been, yeah, exactly, only been going up and and so I'm 
I'm glad to be able to bring this at this time. At any time, it would be great, but it's especially timely now. But the way I want to kind of start off today, Corey, is I don't know if the word you used, because I'm not exactly sure about the story, if the word you used is, was you were in a state of depression prior to your attempt, but I want you to kind of talk about, was there ever a time where you felt like you started to feel yourself drift into a state of depression or start to drift into a state of darkness? And what was that kind of transition time like? Yeah, thanks. Uh, yes, uh, Nick and audience, there was a time, and it's called high school, mm. right? We all, some of us go, went to high school and they were the, you know, crown king and queen and et cetera. And some were the outcasts and some were the smokers and some were the jocks and some were the darks and the geeks and all that. And, you know, I didn't have a terrible high school. I'm not saying that. But that was the first time in finding my own social identity that I got to a point where I felt so awkward in my own skin that I became very depressed. And it affected me. And I, it's still to this day, I can remember specific social settings and things like that. And also a classmate of, uh, <clears throat> a classmate of mine, Trey was uh, an excellent athlete. He was a great scholar. He was so well beloved and he got a scholarship to play football in college and in his freshman year, he couldn't handle the transition and the pressure and all the other things that happened for him. You think maybe looking from the outside that his life was the pinnacle of success where he was at it in his young age and he put a rifle under his chin and blew his head off. Mm. Right, the year after high school. And that affected all of us. All of my classmates from my high school, we still talk about that today, some of us. And, and so the combination of my own personal feelings that I felt and then hearing what he did, uh, yes, there was a point. Uh, and, and so I continued on from there throughout life. But as I got older and as I went into my mid-40s, I hit roadblocks that I hadn't, couldn't have experienced when I was a young man. Business failures, business successes, marriage, relationships, failures. Business failures, relationship failures, coupled with self-doubt, coupled with drinking. I drank and I drank excessively. I was a highly functional alcoholic. I succeeded in the corporate environment. Mm. You know, buying drinks and taking clients to dinner, I was good at it. The thing is, I didn't want to stop drinking. I didn't want the party to end. I liked it. I liked it a lot. And continued to contribute to my success in social circles and continued to deteriorate me from the inside. Yeah. So you never saw that negative side effect from it or anything like that? I Well, to, not for me personally. I thought I can handle it, right? right? Then things slipped up. Things this slipped, that slipped. And it, it, things began to compound. So so like you like you started off by mentioning, you kind of started off, having feelings of depression when you were back in high school. But as yeah. you mentioned uh, prior to us hopping on and recording, the suicide attempt was two years ago yesterday now as of the date that we're, we're recording this. So obviously there's up and down fluctuations of good times, bad times, and stuff like that between high school and then, obviously. Yep. Sure. But when was the time where you felt like the possibility of suicide 
kind of initially entered your mind? Well, that's a good call. It's hard to pinpoint. Right. I would say, so my ex, uh, 10 years we were together. I have two stepchildren and uh, one biological child. When I made the decision that she was not the right woman for me, she wasn't, we weren't riding side by side, if you will. And I had to make the decision to tear the family apart, to separate. That affects everybody. And taking the family picture for me down off the living room wall, it hung above the TV, taking that down off the wall was mm. like the symbolic gesture of collapse, destruction, and failure. Corresponding health issues all around the same time frame. Corresponding business failure, how the business that went south. And I, I stopped seeing, I started only seeing the failures I was creating involved in, stuck in the mire. Where's the answer? The bottom of that next vodka, gin, tequila, you name it. Beer was, I always had a beer in my hand. Well, I mean, I did my work and then I drank. Right. Um, so it was about three years ago, okay. you know, around the separation uh, with my ex and, and it just snowballed from there. Okay. What do you, what do you think at, at that time where you, you know, you said you had this symbolic taking down of the picture and then you had some health issues, some other issues. What do you think that you would now go back and tell yourself at that moment? at that moment of the, the collapse? Like, what's the conversation that you would have with former Corey at that time? The same thing I'm going to say to everybody who's listening right now that's been in really bad times. Talk to somebody. Don't hold it in. I sat here in my house night after night if I, by myself. If I didn't have my, my kid, because my two kids were already out of the house, my younger daughter with shared time. So when she wasn't here, I was a lost soul. When I had my daughter, you know, during the week or weekends, how we had that arrangement, then I was okay. I had purpose. When I didn't have her, because she was the last thing, she was the last straw. I had money. I, that wasn't, it didn't satisfy anything. It was a means. But I didn't have that thing inside that allowed me to be hopeful, that allowed me to to want to help, that allowed me to aspire, that allowed me to even spend mental energy to say, hey, I could do this next, or what about that project, or why don't we endeavor this? No, it was, it became an all-encompassing misery, a self-fulfilling prophecy of defeatism. And misery became my mistress as mm -hmm. I sat here with the bottle on the couch with the lights low and the TV low and just commiserating and so I would say as I started to talk to somebody nobody knew yeah when I shot myself that I was in such a deep state of despair yeah what we didn't know they all said because I hid it when you're hurting and the thoughts are crossing your mind I'd rather eat gone ask yourself why and what's going on and what's impacting that and don't say like we always can do here in our American society, you know, we're hunters, right? We go out, we leave the cave, we kill and we drag it home. You gotta take some time though to acknowledge if that pain is there and it's real. Yeah. It's okay to say I hurt 
and I need help. And I couldn't do it. I was too proud to say I need help. Yeah, so I feel like that's a that's a common thing that people hear is this is one of the things that you could do is talk to somebody. And I think that is obviously it's so much easier said than done. And so I want you to kind of talk to two different people right now. What the first one is how can people who are actually experiencing the problem, experiencing the darkness, experiencing the depression, gain the courage of actually talking to somebody? Because it's so easy to say to talk to somebody, but how can they actually gain the courage? What's step one to being able to actually get it out there? And then I'll give you the second part after. I wish I knew. I wish I knew because in all candor, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. It took me laying there in the hospital bed with no jaw. When I pulled the trigger, the bullet took my mandible and dislodged it from my face. I have a titanium jaw. It took my eye. It took the, in, the roof of my mouth. I had to sit there week after week, month after month, and digest the question you just asked me. So... I don't really know where you find that courage. Yeah. And so well, I, I hope maybe in hearing my story that you might get that courage. Mm -hmm. If you're, if whoever's listening has, or you're even close to that. Right. And so I, the kind of the, the second part of the question and the other person to kind of talk to is like you had mentioned, nobody knew anything and that's not necessarily their fault. But at the same time, there's always things that there's always conversations that could be had to to where other people could have potentially known. So right. what are what are conversations that people can be having with their friends and with their family members where they're not like asking them necessarily like, hey, are you depressed or like, but what, what are the kind of conversations that people can have to where maybe it gives that person who is down a little bit more permission to come out there with their issue. Right. Hey, I noticed, you know, the, the quiet moment to the side at the family gathering or the, or the party or the social gathering and the arm on the shoulder gently and say, hey, I, I hope you don't mind me asking, but are you doing okay? You know? Yeah. Want to open up a door? I just want you to know that I think you're all right. I think however you know your individual person, personal style to say, hey, man, uh, if you need something, I'm here for you. Yeah. Because you cannot do it alone. It's not, it doesn't work. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. And, and the first thing that popped up in my head when you said that is because I've had conversations with people recently about this too, about being in the present moment. And when you're around a group of people so often nowadays, people are in their phones or their mind is somebody somewhere else and they're not actually in the present moment. And if you're not in the present moment, then you can't be aware of those things. You're not going to be aware of when somebody is being quiet and not maybe talking when they would normally talk or they're not as jovial as they normally might be. And so I think the way reason I bring that up is I think it's just a call to be in the present moment with your when you're with people your loved ones, your friends, your family members, be there with them and be aware of what they're doing and be aware of how they are being around you. Yeah, it's, we do get caught up in our routines. Yeah. We're so busy all the time. It happens. It's life. 
you know? One thing of many, right? When I left the hospital, I realized just there was a little bit that, oh, my situation is unique. No, it's not. We all go through it. And when I say it, it's spelled S-H-I-T, it, right? It's called life. There's good and there's bad. It goes hand in hand. And we're not designed, God didn't put us down here on, as, a, as a single person. We are all a humanity down here. And to come back to your other question about what can you do or what can you ask? And, you know, this is, pray. Hmm. Whatever that means to you individually. I'm not, I don't want to discuss religion. I've done that. It's very fruitless, unfortunately. But spirituality, and, and there is God. I, I, just if you, if you have the time, I'll tell you the whole story, maybe not all today, but I don't have as much faith as I used to in life because faith is also a function of believing something that you are not sure of. You don't have the knowledge. I've experienced some things in my life, and I'm aware there is God. God is there. God is real. And so... Pray. If you can't talk to somebody else, talk to God. Just yeah. try it. Gotcha. I love it. I love it. So let's get, I want to get a little bit back into your story in regards to, I, I want you to kind of give a little bit people more of a an idea of kind of timeline. So two years ago yesterday is when you pulled the trigger and then kind of give them a little bit of a timeline of like, that story, how you were able to end up surviving, and then how long you were in the hospital. Okay. Well, as I mentioned earlier, misery was my mistress, mentally, in my head. I let negative thoughts constantly be my companion. And there is sort of this, I don't know what to call it, there's this sort of uh, heroic morbidity that comes with self, you know, uh, what is self, not self-mutilation, because it was a cutter also. But self, when you, uh, self-martyrdom, something along those lines, I'm trying to find the phrasing. It's kind of like the, it's kind of like the victim mentality. Right. But it's self-victimizing right. to show how much pain you can handle. Mm. Right? Oh, I can bear that kind of pain. So anyway, that's where I am. I'm stuck in that. And I was thinking about, I laid there on my bed at night before I would pass out with my nine millimeter with some regularity and set it to the head on my pillow and think to myself, is there anything else in life that I want to do before I check out? How do I want to check out? I'd resolve a weapon, right? There's other ways to do it. Hang yourself, blah, blah, blah. I kept thinking about how I wanted to check out because my day-to-day was filled with constant roadblocks. I put a lot of those in the way myself, and I had to learn to take responsibility for that. It took, it's taking a while, but I, I thought about it all too often. On, on Friday, the day I pulled the trigger, I was not planning to kill myself that day. A friend of mine is a funeral home director. I went out, ran some errands. I drove by the funeral home. He wasn't there. I went to a friend and I gave him an envelope with a name on it. The name 
was my stepdaughter's first grandchild, Riley, who passed at birth. She was stillborn. And the, all the funeral arrangements and all the burial costs were absorbed by a very dear friend of mine, Dan. Riley was her name. And that was a tragic time for our family, several years prior, when things were still whole, so to speak. And I wrote Riley's name on the envelope full of cash and left it for him. It was that time. Later that afternoon, I picked my daughter up and the other kids from school. It wasn't my weekend. So I came home and my daughter went to play. And I was now stuck in another weekend of whatever it was that I was going to do. And I was sick and tired of punching holes in the walls and cutting things and breaking things and my frustration. Because when I didn't have her, I was just lost and loose, loose cannon. So she had left. Now I have this weekend ahead of me. What am I going to do? So I drove to the liquor store because I was out of booze. And I pulled up in front of the liquor store. I got so mad at myself in that moment. I, 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 I'm slamming my hands against the steering wheel and I'm yelling at God and the devil and I don't know anybody that walked by and myself. And I said, I would rather be dead than be a useless drunk. So I backed the car up and I drove back around behind the liquor store. And I made one last phone call because I knew it was my time. And there was clarity for me in that. There was resolution in that. And it, there was a very calm sense of okayness. That's not the right word, but I called my son and I said my goodbyes. And when I hung up the phone, I put the gun under my chin. And I didn't hesitate anymore. It was so serene in that moment. And I pulled the trigger. I didn't know if I was dead or not dead in that moment now. The 45, I used the hollow point, thinking that a hollow point's going to create maximum damage, right? I didn't want to be those one-offs that shot themselves, became disfigured, became disabled, and became a non-functioning component of humanity and now a sob story for people that, oh, that's so tragic. I just wanted to be gone. And so I, I may not get right now to get into the rest of what happened then, but that, that's what led up to it. That was, yeah. it just sort of came together at that time. Okay. So let's, I, I want to kind of, that's a, that's a crazy story. Everybody's going to have to pause a little bit after that. I know for me, that's just like one of those, Things where I'm just sitting here with chills and have to take a deep breath uh, to respond. But I appreciate you sharing that story and going in depth there. I think it's uh, really important for people to hear and is kind of gives a little bit of an insight to some people who are going through some things and um, can motivate people to to help and, and, and be a part of furthering this conversation. But so you were, you were in the hot, you went to the hospital, obviously, and how long were you in the hospital and when you were in there, what allowed you to kind of make the mindset shift of like, I am now like grateful for being alive. Uh, 
that didn't really happen in the hospital. In the hospital, okay. In the hospital for eight months. Mm. Well, let's start then. Let's start with the eight months then. What what is going? Th- that's a long time. That's a long time. What is, I mean, I know obviously it's a long time to give one simple answer to, but what's going through your head during that eight months? Yeah, yeah. Well, so first, uh, there's I, I'm in the hospital, and I'm coming to, but I'm heavily medicated, and I had grandiose hallucinations. Holy moly! Uh, we that we've touched on that another time. So I'm coming around. I'm I'm going in and out of consciousness. I don't know how, at that point how many surgeries I've had, but about ten days or two weeks into it, now I'm I'm there and I know. Okay, uh, family is here. I can't write. My jaws. I have to write. Excuse me. I can't talk. My jaws wired shut. Uh, this is all bandaged and and now I'm 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 feeling shame. I'm feeling shame because I forced all my family members to show up at the hospital and I'm alive and they had to change their schedules, which they gladly did, but it was a selfish act on my part. I wanted go to the funeral, say nice things every year. We, we missed Corey. He was such a great guy. I don't understand why he had to do that. Right? That's what I wanted. Have the nice memory, not this mess. Now that, holy crap, I'm alive. And by the way, because of the failed business, I didn't have health insurance. I didn't need health insurance where I was going. Yeah. That turned into $3.4 million in eight months of bills. Wow. Ta-da. So how much money did you make along the way? Not $3.4 million, so I'm back to negative. Oh. So I'm laying there and I have family and I have friends that are showing up and I have to deal with the shame that I have them standing here. And all they did was express love to me. Love, kindness, compassion. And I didn't know how to receive that because I didn't love myself. Yeah. Not to get too scriptural, but it says somewhere in this really cool book, Love God with your heart, mind, and soul. And the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as thyself. I look at that as a threefold commandment, including love yourself. I didn't. Now I'm there, hurt, I'm injured, and all these people are showing me who I thought didn't care to the extent that they did. They're showing me love, and I can't receive it. I don't know how to receive it. That was my journey. And it took me a long time, months. So I journaled and I journaled and I journaled. Ta-da, segue to the book, right? (laughs) I kept writing things down about this journey for me of learning to accept the fact that when, that somebody loves me, they love me more than I love myself. Mm. So I think that's a a great segue into uh, everybody has had the feeling to some degree or another of feeling shame towards themselves this feeling shameful not necessarily to maybe the degree that you would you would have felt it but what is like you said you started journaling but what's maybe one of the first steps mentally that you had to make in order to start getting out of that feeling of shame uh i had to say say, i had to learn to forgive myself myself. what is it what is that what is that 
what does that look like? Because I, I feel like people say that a decent amount. I had to learn to forgive myself. What does that look like and feel like what, inside of your head? Well, let me paint the story for you. Uh, for anybody out there that has, has children, pretend you're the parents in this story. You just get a phone call. Your child has injured themselves, a suicide attempt. They're on life support. It doesn't look like your child is going to live. Do we have your permission to pull the plug? How do you respond? My father asked, did the brain hit his, uh, did the bullet hit his brain? I used a hollow point, so it shattered and it didn't get to my brain. One of the miracles of several. I used the wrong bullet. If I used a slug, anyway, so I had to, I put myself in the, in, in the position to force my dad to make the decision as to whether or not I lived. And in that moment, he had to make that decision. And he asked, did the bullet get his brain? No. And he, <clears throat> and he said, do everything you possibly can to save him. I didn't want to be saved. So how do you learn how to, to go from that to saying, you know what, I'm okay, I'm all right. It's everybody's personal journey. And for me to get over the hurdle of the turning of the tide, I had to have a contrite spirit. I was, I had to, I was broken at that point, truly. And I began to pray. Mm -hmm. Simple, talking out loud. Still short, God, what the fuck? You know, the severity of the situation. And one little prayer led to another. One little step back, two steps forward. That's kind of the gist of it, you know? Yeah. So, let's see, two years ago was the, was the attempt. Eight months afterwards, you were out of the hospital over yeah. that 16 month span from out of the yeah. hospital until now, what have been some of your most important daily and weekly habits or routines that have gotten you to a better place and kept you in a better place? Well, thank I pray more than I ever used to, right? And when I say pray, I hope people aren't putting that necessarily in that religious context. It's communication with your creator. Just listen a little, and that's there. I haven't grabbed a beer. I didn't grab a bottle of vodka. And I can assure you there have been a handful of times when I kind of wanted to, because I liked it. I liked the party. I liked, it was the escape. I was the grandiose Corey. I was the fun-loving, happy-go, let's try anything, you know, because I had that liquid courage and it was just a huge staple in my life. So. Since then, learning a new routine of sobriety, not drinking, you know, and, and walking, having a routine of exercise, having a routine, so items for me personally, I walk every day, I can't run. One of the things they had to do, I've had 22 surgeries so far and I'm not done, but they had to snap my leg to take out bone and blood vessel and tendons. I have several graft sites. Well, I had to relearn to walk. 
on a, from a broken leg. So I went from the cane to walking a few steps to now I walk about three miles a day. It feels so good. That's my time to just sort of soak it in. The weather, whether it's raining or whether the sun is shining, they're both good. Mm -hmm. uh, so creating some of those routines and making sure that I am not all alone. Doesn't mean I can't be by myself at times, but I have, I have roommates now, right? I, I don't just sit in my house by myself. And I said to myself, my, my language was, it's okay, Corey, it's okay. It's okay. And I didn't listen to my own forgiveness for the longest time, month after month after month. And I'm still working on it. But damn it, I'm doing a lot better. Mm -hmm. And I want to show people that there is a way. I'm just one example. There is a way and there is your way personally to find that road. Here are a few things that I found that have helped me. Yeah. And so... I like to have people on who I feel can provide value in helping other people get closer to the best version of themselves. And why this is such an important topic is because everybody has these feelings of depression at certain points and at certain levels. Everybody has the, the feelings of shame at certain points and at certain levels. And hopefully an episode like this, right, can help them avoid going down the deep, dark road of potentially wanting to to end their own life. So kind of going back to a little bit how I how I phrased it earlier, what does somebody, and I, I'm going to phrase it back to kind of you and your time, what could you have started doing differently when you started like three years ago or, or whatever that time was when you kind of suicide maybe entered your mind for the first time? What could you have started doing differently in order that would have avoided the incident that happened? Well, for me personally, for my journey, substance abuse was the catalyst which fueled the fire. Mm -hmm. I was a daily drinker. I was a morning drinker. Uh, most people don't know. I hit it the best I could. But when I woke up in the morning, the first thing I did was have a shot of vodka and grab a beer or a Mike's Hard Lemonade and try to brush my teeth. Yeah, usually there was vomiting involved. That's not how you start a morning when you're a normal person, right? You're doing it. I was doing that because of so many reasons to escape because I was so dissatisfied. And at that time, so drinking too much, way too much, it's not just a little, it's excessive and it's all the time with rare exception. And the other thing that I could have done, should have done, which I could have told myself along with, having some kind of physical routine, having some kind of social routine, right? I talk about walking for me, reading. So some of the damn basic, most basic things, finding something to read to get into your mind a separate thought thread than the negative. Don't focus on the troubles, right? It's, I wasn't able to do that. I only spent my time thinking about what had failed, what had gone wrong, what was broken, and what wasn't right about it. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good point because one of the things I was kind of thinking about earlier, you know, you talked about how misery was your mistress and how negative thoughts were just constantly going in through your head. But if you can give yourself different routines, if you can read, if you can put yourself in different situations, you're giving your mind so many other things to spend time thinking on. And, and that could be so much more of a 
positive things to be thinking on rather than what you would think on if you're just kind of sitting there by yourself. So I think right. that's I think that's a big key. Well, uh, well, Corey, I'm down to the last couple questions here. The second to last one is I think that get uh, in order to get closer to the best version of yourself, it's really important to gain clarity as kind of what I was talking about earlier. Really important to gain clarity on what the best version of yourself looks like and what that person is capable of and then to try to reverse engineer that person into reality. And so the question for you is, What's a skill or a piece of knowledge or experience that the best version of yourself has that you don't currently have? Let me see if I understand your your question because it sounds kind of really profound. What is what is that one thing that I'm working on? Yeah, yeah. Like what? Essentially, yeah. What? Well, what's what's kind of like a skill or? something that the best version of yourself has found out and has been able to kind of solve that you haven't been able, that you don't, a skill you haven't mastered yet or something that you don't know how to solve yet. It's my new mission. It's my new direction. It's the thing that I think about every single day now and it's not a job. It's not work. It's not drudgery. It's the fact that I should have died and didn't for various reasons, and I'm here. I was given that second chance, right? And that was originally going to be the title of my book. But I thought going through the ash, you know, the phoenix rising from the ashes. And for my story, that rising is now going, look, I have everything in life that I that I can possibly want, almost, right? And because I have been given that gift. I have a responsibility, which I embrace, to share my story, to talk about it, because then we get to talk about you and how you're doing. And we, it's, it's, it's the old principle of the rising tide raises all ships. Together we do more than we do individually. And it's such a blessing for me to be able to be a part of this now. And meeting people Nick, like yourself, I've never met before. Why did this come together? because of a series of events, right? Well, when I was sitting there in the hospital with my notepad and my diary and writing, I didn't picture this. I didn't see these exciting things coming together, knowing last week when I was chatting with friends going, check this out, there's this guy, Nick, and he does a guy, just a podcast, and I've been invited to come in and chat with him. It, it, it feels so good to be excited about things like this. Yeah. And so, anyway. Yeah, no, I love it, I love it, and I think everybody can, feel your passion and, and hear your passion for your mission. And I think that's super cool. And I think that that's just a huge thing in terms of everybody's level of fulfillment and satisfaction is having something that makes their heart go on fire and makes them lit up and, and something to progress towards. So that's really cool. Um, well, before I ask the last question, Corey, I want to acknowledge you for to, to start because of your vulnerability and your ability to, to rehash and, and share your story, because I'm sure it's not something that, that's easy to share it all and to kind of revisit what was going on in your head back in those in those times. So I really appreciate you being able to share that because I think it is so, 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 so important for both people who are going through something similar. It gives them permission to be okay with telling somebody else about it. But it also is important for people who are, who are maybe not experiencing that right now to be able to realize that, oh, other people, like 
could be experiencing this that I'm seeing on a regular basis. And maybe I need to be having conversations with them to be able to help them get that out there. So I want to acknowledge you for that and also acknowledge you for your passion towards spreading the message about your story and being part of the conversation and being part of the, the of the solution that uh, of the problem that is that is suicide that's going on in our society. So it's There's awesome. too much of it. There's too much of a stigma around it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I want to help change that. No doubt. Well, like you mentioned, you've got a book that you're working on coming out yep. sometime in 2021. So super excited about that. I'll make sure to uh, be on the lookout for when that's coming out and, and share that out when because I'm super stoked to get into that story because there's a lot I know in that that we weren't able to get to today. But make sure you guys follow him on LinkedIn at, at Corey Underwood, and I'll have that linked up in the show notes as well. Is there any, is there any place else that people should – Follow you and get more information? Yeah, so Facebook and LinkedIn, but I just yesterday go, got the domain uh, name, howsuicidesavemylife.com. And all I did right now is it's under construction, but I put my, my Yahoo email up there and my name, uh, and I'll continue to add more so that if people want to reach out as we work together and, you know, enjoy, this life isn't meant to be misery and pain in and of itself. It's also wondrous. And it's so nice to have a time of reprise from the mental anguish and feel yeah. good and be happy and be a better me and you be a better you, you know, some better living. Yeah. Amen. So thank you, Nick. I appreciate this opportunity very much. Of course. Of course. It's my pleasure. Well, Corey, last question is... I think that getting closer to the best version of ourselves is a constant journey, and I also think it's a very unique journey. I think the way that I'm going to get closer to the best version of myself is going to be a little bit different than the way that you get closer to the best version of yourself. So for you personally, if there are three things that you can currently do or three things that you can currently work on to get closer to the best version of Corey Underwood that you could possibly be, what are those three things that you could currently do or work on? Wow, three things right now, uh, daily. So first and foremost for me is to be above the dirt. I'm not six feet under. And since I can take that breath, it's to continue on. For me personally, this is not a stigma to other people. I admire the people who can socially drink and shut it off. I couldn't. So for me, I need to not drink. Two, I need to stay active and physically. And three, reading and doing something to activate my mind mentally. Mm. Those are my three things. I love it. Three great things. I appreciate it, Corey. That's all we got today. Thank you very much. Talk soon. There you have it. What an episode. I mean, that's the kind of episode that you won't hear very often, but it's the kind of episode that so many of us need to hear. Listening to someone talk about their suicide attempts can get a little uncomfortable. I know it was a little bit for me, but what it's done is it's made it much more real to me. Because I think if you thankfully never had someone in your life who has taken their own life or attempted to, then the concept might seem foreign to you and it might seem like something that kind of never really happens. But as you heard, it's much more of a normal occurrence than you might think. Make sure you share this episode with a friend or family member who you think would be positively impacted by this. Send it to someone who you think might be struggling and tell them that you're there for them. Maybe send it to someone who has a friend or family member who has gone through something similar. You never know when sending this episode to someone just might literally save someone's life. Just send them to nickcarrier.com slash podcasts slash Corey Underwood to get the audio, the YouTube video, and the show notes. Now remember, if you're struggling, 
talk to somebody. Don't try to handle it all on your own. Don't be too prideful. Have the courage to get your words into somebody else's ears because that's the only way that you're gonna be able to get support. If you're not struggling right now, be aware of the way your loved ones are acting. Things aren't always as they seem, so make sure you're there for them no matter what. Ask them how they're doing. Just like, hey man, how's it going? But like, how are they really doing? This is something I know I wanna do more of to give others the permission and the space to openly discuss what might be going on in their life. For now, it's time. It's time to take action. It's time to lend a helping hand. Time to open up to someone about a tough time that you might be going through. And it's time to take the negative situations in our lives and turn them into positive ones. Because these are the things that are gonna get you closer and closer to your best you.